Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, our second hour of the show here on April 20th, 2020. If you want to go back and hear anything that we did in the first hour of the show, just make sure you head on over to YouTube and subscribe to our show on SportsGrid, which is our channel. And we play those videos back 24 hours a day, seven days a week, including Mm -hmm. a lot of NFL draft previews, which are up. And of course, the draft is coming up here on Thursday. Lots of odds, lots of things to decipher any any new opinions, Joe, from the weekend of anything? I feel like there's just like so much smoke at this point being thrown around at all these different players. It's hard to kind of keep up. But uh, by the time the draft goes off, FanDuel will have the odds up. I, I think I saw that, if I'm not mistaken, that there's no live live betting yeah. in the draft. Is that yeah. is that correct? Yeah, the timing of it all, and again, you know, with the way it's being done and how interactive it is. Uh, it would just be very, very hard for the uh, for the books to keep pace with what's going on virtual, which is a virtual draft. And if there was a trade or something, they just would not have right. the mechanism in place to be able to make it in real time uh, in order to be able to bet on it. So all those bets need to be in uh, prior to the draft starting. And uh, that includes, and, and I'll say it again, if you think there is value on the board in a win total situation, then you need to jump on it. I would jump on it before Thursday because the minute that draft takes place, all those win totals are out the window. So grab it now if you think there's uh, some options there and some, uh, some value on the board. And I'm quite sure a week from today, that's one of the topics that we'll discuss is which yep. win totals change the most. I know that we talked about Caesars win totals last week, and of yep. course, make sure you head on over to FanDuel and you can get those as well. Uh, they've really gotten creative with uh, with the NFL draft this year, uh, Joe. I, I remember last year sitting here and looking on FanDuel, and I, I would say there was probably four or five bets that you could make. You know, mm-hmm. like there were a few, like who's going to be the first pick, who'll be the second pick, who'll be taken first. Uh, I think I'm up to like 30 or 40 different bets that I've seen here, if I'm not mistaken, as okay. it pertains to the NFL draft, and so. I thought that today and tomorrow and, and probably right up until Thursday, we'll take a closer look and see if there's any value here. Now, just to keep in mind for those of you before we uh, look at this is that, uh, you know, clearly you can see all of these odds by just accessing the FanDuel Sportsbook, whether or not you live in New Jersey, you can right. still look at the sportsbook. For me, if if I'm looking at odds that are really big long shots, I'll just simply ask Joe to throw it out there if he feels like there is something. I'm stopping here at about 10 or 15 to 1 or maybe a little bit less than gotcha. that because I thought that in looking at this, 
uh, as an example, I don't anticipate Ruggs being the first wide receiver taken. If you really want to throw a dart, you can, and, and it could happen. Look, right. you've, you've seen strange things happen, but for me, you're, you're really stretching it at that point to, to think that something that's going to happen that no one would have predicted. Of course, if that ends up happening, I'll come back on here and I'll remind myself for next year that and I should apologize. have apologize. That's all right. The 15 not a problem. to ones yep. or the 20 to yep. ones. Well, I, I'm not going to go that deep into it because I don't think that a lot of people feel like any of these could actually uh, happen. All right. So for uh, to lead off this hour, let's take a look at the odds for the first three picks in order, Joe. Oh, this is order. not. By the way, this is not horse racing, Joe. This is right. not the trifecta. Yeah, I can't. I can't uh, go can't with the daily this. double here. Gotcha. All right, okay, no Cornelis. Gotcha. No, this is uh, the, this is no exacta, no trifecta. These are the first three picks in the NFL draft. So, right. we, so here are the the five most likely odds. Now, again, uh, FanDuel has odds that are 15 and 20 to one behind uh, beyond this. And if Joe, you like any of them, let me know. I looked at them and I did not think any were realistic because beyond this, you do not have Burrow going first. Right. That's correct. Okay. So, not I. I think Burrow's going first, but beyond the other stuff, it's interesting. Okay. So uh, Burrow goes first. We have Young second and Okuda third. That's plus 135. Okay. So this is the scenario, Joe, that leads me to believe that a team that trades up to three already has a quarterback, clearly, if this is going to happen, right? right. Like that, that's, that's why this makes the most sense, because most teams already have their quarterback in place at the back end of the draft. That's correct. Okay. Now, uh, the second most likely on FanDuel, it's about three to one, three and a half to one. It's Burrow going first, Young going second. Mm -hmm. And essentially what we think is someone trading up to the, the three spot to grab Herbert, whether it's the Dolphins moving up a spot, which I don't right. think will happen, or the Chargers or somebody else. At three, we have another possible scenario that either the Dolphins have to trade up or someone jumps up ahead of them to take Tua. I would say that three is more possible than two. I actually like three a little bit more with Burrow going first, Young going second, Tua going third, and that's plus 360. The fourth most likely scenario is Burrow, Young, and then Brown at six to one. And then fifth most likely is Burrow, Young, and then somebody would really have to like Simmons a lot to trade up about, what, five, right. six spots, yep. ten spots to get, um, yep. to get Simmons there. So... Uh, Joe, are you interested in any of these in terms of value? I am not, but I'd like to present at least all the options for people out there by logging on to the FanDuel Sportsbook. You clearly can see those. My favorite probably would be the first one. It seems the most likely. Mm -hmm. But if I had to throw a dart, it would be taking that third option, which is that the Dolphins get a little scared and they're forced to move up okay. to secure themselves Tua because we, we thought that was going to be the deal with Tua right. for about three months. Yep, yep. <laughs> And now all of a sudden, with everything happening, you know, it's it's maybe not the case. I, I'm go, I'm gonna go with, if I was gonna throw a hundred bucks down, I would probably pick the first one, and if not, I would go with number three. And I don't like the others. How about you? Uh, to me, there's only two realistic ones on here, and I think it's okay. uh, it's interesting enough because all of these choices here, uh, all of these are contingent upon Detroit. It's playing, all Detroit. Yeah. It's, it's playing Detroit yeah. as being the uh, as the gatekeeper here to uh, sure. to a quarterback. I don't think a quarterback is going at three. I don't okay. think a quarterback is going at four. Hmm. Uh, to be completely honest with you, and to me, the value lies with the two best 
defensive players on the board outside of Young, and Young, obviously, this is Burrow, Young, Burrow, Young, Burrow, Young. Uh, the answer to me, guys, is number five. Uh, would be with Isaiah Simmons at uh, plus 950, carries the most value on this board because you've got a Matt Patricia kind of on the hot seat there. Matt Patricia has to have, as a defensive-minded head coach, he's got to have a defense that he trusts. Both of those guys, both Simmons and Akuda, absolutely are two young pieces that you can build around. Simmons much more capable as far as options go, meaning he is a guy that he can play safety, he can play outside, he can play in the middle. Uh, He is the perfect Swiss Army knife whose ceiling, according to many of the scouts, is maybe the highest in the draft, and that includes uh, Chase Young. So I do think at almost 10 to 1, they're going to go defense. They're not going to trade out. They're going to go defense, and if somebody wants to move up, it's probably going to be with the Giants at 4, because I think Detroit, don't mess around. Get your defensive player and start building your team on that side of the ball. So I like Simmons at plus 950 okay. as the yeah. third pick. If, if the Lions keep the pick, then yep. that, that, that certainly could be the case. Um, I, don't I don't know that any team's going to want to pay that price to, to swap with the line. I just don't see it. The Giants, I mean, every spot is a little less you got to give, right? I mean, right. the... The Giants, if somebody really wants to jump in front of the Dolphins, I think they'll do it at four. I don't think they'll pay that price at three. Okay. Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And and interesting that it has the first three. What, what's really interesting to me is that you can get such good value yes. if something goes wacky after the first couple of guys. I think that's really cool right. about this draft is that I think in most years you have a really good feeling, usually about the top five. Yes. And this year we really don't have a clue beyond two. Like, no, nobody does. And that's that's what will make it compelling on Thursday night for sure. Yep. Okay. Um, now, you know, tomorrow we'll do some other ones as well, but I mm-hmm. wanted to um, do one on the wide receivers. I think Ooh. that this is one that's really interesting okay. like, coming up on Thursday. So we, we've kind of gone back and forth here about who will be the first wide receiver taken in the draft. But there, here are, here's the options that FanDuel essentially mm-hmm. is presenting. and. I'm throwing the top five out there. And, and if you think Ruggs is going to be the first one, then you guys should go to the FanDuel Sportsbook because you're going to get a lot of really good odds if yes. Ruggs is the first overall receiver. I don't think he will be. Uh, but Lamb first, Judy second, Ruggs third is plus 250. Judy first, Lamb second, Ruggs third is plus 270. So this is essentially a coin toss for sure with the first two choices. Now, if you think that Judy's a slipper in this draft, I don't think he is. But if you think he's a slipper, then you go Lamb, Ruggs, and Judy. You get yourself right. six to one odds. And uh, the, if you think Lamb is the big slipper in this draft, and I don't think he is either, then it's seven to one odds. And then if you really want to take a deep shot here, and you think that Henry Ruggs the third is going to be the first wide receiver taken in this draft, which would be wild because nobody has that on their board. And when I mean no one, I mean nobody. I mean this guy went from an early second round to now maybe a top ten pick. Come right. On. Rugs, Lamb, Judy, plus 750, and I'll end it there. Uh, Joe, any value uh, on any of those? It's interesting because where, it, you know, where in the draft do you see the first wide receiver going? That's, uh, I think that's a, uh, a big one because if you see, if all things are equal, that means the Jets at number 11 would be in the market for a wide receiver. That's one of the first uh, teams. Den- uh, you got um, Cleveland at 10, doesn't need one, right? Arizona, 
Just got D-Hop no, at nine. They don't need one. Jacksonville ain't going wide receiver at eight. Carolina ain't going wide receiver there. So, really, Dolphin, Charger, no. It's going to be after that. So, the only question is, who do you think might be willing to move up and, uh, and go get somebody in the draft? And I can tell you right now, if it is Denver that uh, wants to uh, move up and get a, uh, a really nice piece to put around Drew Locke. I think Ruggs is the way it's going to go, guys. I-, I think Ruggs has got a really good shot at being the very first wow. uh, wide receiver off the board because he is the prototype. He's Tyreek Hill. That's what he is. He's Tyreek Hill, and we've seen what kind of speed – what kind of, that kind of speed does to a team and does to a defense. So you've got Sutton, you've got Noah Fant, right? You get the kid out of uh, Penn State over there uh, in Denver. You add the burner here in uh, in rugs if you're Denver going up and getting them. I, uh, I I think that's a lethal combo. I think Judy goes to the Jets, and I think Lamb is going to end up being the third guy off the board. Mm. Yeah, I, I see no scenario where. I, I, first of all, I don't understand why Jerry Judy isn't the first and and just end the story. I mean, I watched this guy play for two years. Right. Was an absolute stud at Alabama. I mean, to me, he's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Like, yep. I, I, I have no issues with him whatsoever. I mean, Ruggs had one really good year, and I understand he has the speed there. I mean, it's not that I'm going to take exception with what you're saying, because, look, there is value there at 7-1 seven, seven or 7.5-1. to one. I just don't think it's realistic. I, I don't think that Ruggs is going to be the first wide receiver taken. Now, think, do you but, think it's going to be a team in their spot that goes wide receiver, or do you think the first wide receiver is going to happen via trade? Oh, uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I, I think that the Jets scenario is the one that, that yeah, is the they, most reasonable. Yeah. And, you know, some team, if they really valued one of those guys. But but Judy does seem to be a great fit for what the Jets are trying to do. Absolutely. Like that, that's the big, strong mm-hmm. Guy on the outside yep. that could go deep, also can catch it over the middle, yep. catch a 50-yard touchdown, run it over, you know, like yep. like, a, like a Fitzgerald early on in his career. That's like correct. I, I think that, that that's Judy, and for me, that's the first wide receiver that I would take, and that's no indictment on Lamb also. I think he's good too. It's just Lamb came on really in his last year. Judy's done it for two years straight, right. won in a national championship season two as well. So, um yeah, I'm just not following why the other guys are going higher, and I and and it's just always amazing to me how we get out of, we get out of that regular season of college football, and then this combine stuff starts, and yep. the interview stuff starts, and how big the hands stuff starts, and it's just nonsense to me, man. Yeah, like like I I think that honestly after uh, Lamb and Judy, because those two guys are one and two, I think Jalen Rieger is the next best wide receiver. Ooh, in the NFL draft. interesting. I like the way you're thinking that. And listen, yeah. Judy I watched Jalen Rieger play at yep. TCU. This yep. guy yep. scored seven. Let me, let me put this in perspective. Seven of his team's touchdowns in a row over a two-game stretch. Yep. Think about that. Close yep. your eyes and think about that for a minute. That means no one else on TCU scored except mm-hmm. for Jalen Rieger. Guess what else? He's a punt returner and kick returner, too. Yep. Two of those were return touchdowns. This guy played on a bad offensive team at TCU. Very. He, I think he's going to be a superstar in the NFL. I like yep. him a lot more than I like Ruggs. Ruggs is super fast. He's great. I get it. When he catches the ball in the open field, he's going to be great. And right. For two years, that's what it'll be. But I'm big on, on Rieger a lot. Who I wants, loved him in college. And who I, wants and I, that Tyreek Hill kind of wide receiver? Because that's what he is. 
Uh, and if, Well, they have Mahomes. It's really easy when you have a guy that's right, just going to bomb it up 60 yards in the air. That's exactly it. But this being such a copycat league, um, of course, of he, course. that's whoever drafts him, that's going to be their mindset is that they're going to basically they're going to get Tyreek Hill. I'm not sure. I mean, he's certainly fast enough. Doesn't mean that he can, he's going to catch the ball. But I keep an eye on Jefferson. Uh, yeah. I'd also out of LSU, and I'd keep an eye on uh, T. Higgins too. The big, uh, the big guy, six foot. That big target, which is the one thing that's missing right now. Six foot three, six foot four. Uh, a lot of teams could use that guy in the red zone. Throw the ball up. They'll go beat the five ten, uh, you know, cornerback. For sure. Now over yeah. on YouTube, you can go over there and see uh, on our sports grid all mm -hmm. of the previews. Um, by the way, a bird just flew behind you there. I just, just saw that. Yes, just, thank you very is much. Is he okay? That. I think so. I mean, I hope he gets. Uh, hope he lives there. <laughs> he almost, he almost smashed right into the uh, right into the wall there. My word. That was a great. Yeah. That was a great little. Uh, uh, that was that. You like that, right? He almost you're feeding, uh, you're feeding birds during the day. Yeah, over in the corner. I don't know very what's distracted. going on there. Very, very distracted. Like the Get the bird out. Thanks. Okay. Good. Got to close the door. Yes. Um, what? what do, you, do you have any, any idea like of our full plan for for Thursday night? Yeah, you promised me by Monday you'd. Give yeah, a little bit more behind the curtain as to what our plans are. We that. are going, uh, it is all hands on deck live on uh, Thursday, draft day. We're going to have, um, we're going to have the, the, the Pro Football Today crew there get you going and uh, okay. kind of organize it. And then uh, every one of the hosts here on, uh, on Sports Grid, uh, including you, uh, Mish, there, all everyone. Right, we are rolling in, and uh, we're going to roll you guys in and, and do uh, get your thoughts on just about each and every of the top 32 picks here in the draft. It should be a lot of fun seeing how it is. We don't know who, what, like we just we just laid out receivers and first three picks, and, uh, and it's really anybody's guess as to what's going to happen. It's true. I mean, it's mm -hmm. amazing to think that this is the most interesting sporting event that we've had in over a month. Yes. A month. Crazy. I mean, we Crazy. used to struggle in those days in July with the All-Star break where we had nothing for three days and think that that was what the week. Difference. I, mean, I mean, sports fans, yep. look, say what you want. This is this is the pinnacle of this time, and we yep. may not have anything for a month after this. So Correct. Uh, Thursday is definitely going to be interesting as yep. we begin the 2020 NFL Draft. All right, uh, we'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today, and when we come back, it's our stadium tour of iconic uh, stadiums in professional and college sports. So we'll do that next. Make sure you stick around. We're going to take a quick break on FST. Craig Minish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show. And we're back right here on Sports Grid after this. Don't, Don't forget the bird. <laughs> <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Craig Bish and Joe Ranieri with you here back on Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today as we've come to the point in the show where we give you a little bit of a taste as to what it must feel like to play or sit in one of the iconic stadiums in all of college yep. and pro football. And, and Joe, uh, this week we're going to try and get your opinion. I want your opinion on some of the ones that potentially you have been in. So I thought today mm-hmm. it would be a good idea to pick one that you've definitely been to. I'm going to guess, and one that I'm not sure. I mean, you you did play college ball uh, on the baseball side near our first stadium, so I'm wondering if you've ever been to our first one. Yeah, I've absolutely been there. It used there to be part go. of the uh, the Big Eight, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, back in the day. So, um, yep, and it is uh, always amazed that that, town uh and that city there which was uh, absolutely beautiful and uh they uh they love uh their they love their texas longhorns here man there is no way around it they love their longhorns in this town yeah opened up in 1924 we're focusing in today on texas memorial stadium and of course through the years things change names change they renamed this daryl k royal texas memorial stadium a few years ago so that's what we'll call it, of course, for this show. Opened up in 1924, home of the Texas Longhorns and Joe Four College Football Championships. It's been a while yep. since there's been a college football championship, but it's a pretty memorable one when Texas, I believe they beat Alabama with uh, Colt McCoy at quarterback. I don't think anybody saw that one coming. But uh, look, they've had some really good players through the years. And the one thing, as you mentioned, though, Joe, it's, uh, it's the love for football in the state of Texas that keeps them coming back every single year. People always confuse Dallas for Austin, thinking that they're the same place. Indeed, they are not. College is mm-hmm. college town in Austin, and then uh, Dallas is in more of the metropolitan area. Yeah, it's not even uh, close, but they do. I mean, they love, and I mean absolutely love, their football, their UT, and uh, Saturdays are one thing. Sundays are a whole nother thing. Um, it's Cowboys on Sunday. It's UT, and uh, it's University of Texas, and also one of the most unrealistic um can we just be realistic here it's so unrealistic that every year they expect every sport everywhere at uh at austin at ut to win a national championship every year every year it's amazing you don't get that at a lot of places but at ut they expect to win then when they don't it's it they scream and yell like i can't believe it like they really do expect to win every year a championship yeah, and, and I think that that's a good thing yeah. to have those kind of fans behind yep. that. But it's, of course, not realistic. And the basketball team, very good at Texas as well. Yes. And the other thing is very similar to Florida, how, you know, now look, TCU has been around for a long time and so has Texas Tech. Right. But in the last 20 years, we've seen just how many more kids want to play football. And that's opened up the door for schools like that to continue to get 
athletes and play and end up getting to the NFL in 2030. Let's say 30, 40 years ago, did anybody really care about Texas Tech or TCU? Not really. Nope. And North Texas even has produced some decent college football players as well. Um, UTSA is around too. Mm -hmm. It's just the Florida, Texas, and California, I would say, are the three biggest college football states. Yep. And they love them football. And they've had a few pe uh, people over the years, too. They've yeah, had they some have. players. Yeah, yep. yeah they yep. have. Uh, Bobby yep. Lane is the one at the very beginning of the time at Texas. If you go back and you haven't heard of Bobby Lane, look him up. One of the greatest players uh, that, that basically they've ever had there. And, you know, before our time for sure. But he's basically on every list as either the number one or number two guy. You'll have to do your own research on that. Right. Uh, Earl Campbell, we've got at number two. And Earl Campbell was... Uh, probably the toughest running back to bring down in the NFL, maybe until Eric Dickerson for about a 10 or 20 year period in college and even in the NFL. Uh, Ricky Williams, of course, wins that Heisman Trophy Award winner with Texas, mm -hmm. goes on to play with New Orleans and then the Miami Dolphins and even the Ravens at the end of his career. But Ricky Williams, to me, in the open field, was a guy that looked like he didn't run very fast, but man, that guy just... I mean, breaking tackles and running down the field was just an awesome running back yep. uh, for for them, uh, Longhorns. And uh, Colt McCoy, yep. national championship for Texas, wasn't the best quarterback of all time for sure, but fit the system really well there for them. So he's got to be on here as well as Vince Young, who brought them the national championship against, uh, I believe yep. it was... USC in the Rose Bowl, if USC. I'm not mistaken. That's Vince correct. Young running into the corner of the end zone, putting his hand up. Yep. Uh, ended up winning the championship. And since then, it's been some lean years. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of uh, yep. uh, Texas players since then, Joe. I mean, that's, that's kind of been the problem for them. And yep. once Mac Brown fell out of favor there, that was it. Things didn't really go so well. You know, they, they had a couple of, uh, there was this uh, group of running backs that Texas always had, too. It, it was. Ricky Williams. I think there was another guy who broke all of Ricky Williams' record. Was it Donta Foreman, I believe? Cedric Benson. Yes, yeah, Cedric Benson was also there. Foreman was another guy, too, that was just... I they, loved Foreman. I thought he was going to be a fantasy huge. stud in the NFL. Absolutely. I mean, they just they kept coming in from UT, and that's what you expect. Jamal Charles, I think, was also yeah. from uh, UT. They've had a, a history of really good defensive players, uh, and, of course, really good running backs, but they never got the quarterback thing. It never translated uh, to the National Football League. But, listen, they have always had to go up against OU, right? I mean, they've, they've had some it's, – it's not easy, especially now in the Big 12. It's just not easy to play that brand of uh, football and expect to roll out championships uh, year after year. It's, uh, you got a lot of people trying to convince those recruits that – Come here and play, and UT is just like, uh, I mean, if you're from Texas, you want to go to UT growing up, right? Of I course, mean, that's, yeah. that's what it is, but they just have not at all delivered here in the last couple of years. We keep waiting for everything. Shaka Smart and basketball, right? We just keep waiting for this. They're like, oh, here it comes. Just it hasn't, and out. they got off to a good start last year, but mm -hmm. it, it seemed a little fraudulent. Yep. And it didn't really. It was, yeah, big time. Out. Yep. Yeah. Um, Erlinger, Sam Erlinger, is that their quarterback? I think Texas. Ellinger, is, yeah, Ellinger was. Uh, I don't know I if he's going to go. I, I think Texas is supposed to be good this coming year in college football. Like, like legitimately mm -hmm. has a chance to make some noise this year. Yep. So, well, Tom we'll Herman, see. you're run. They're running out of patience for you there, my friend. 
Really good as a dog, though, Tom Herman. Yeah, that's great. Story, double right? digit dog, too. <laughs> See, this guy's amazing. Yep, double well, digit know, dog. We know the story to back him. So true. Uh, uh, Derek Johnson played at Texas. Steve yes. McMichael went on to the Bears, played there as well. Cedric Benson, great oh, running yes. back for them and then for the Bears also. A uh, great wide receiver for them was Roy Williams. Mm. And then Roy Williams went on to the Lions. And let's also not forget probably their best defensive player over the last 10 years, Brian Arakpo. Oh, yes. One of the also. top defensive yep. players. And then yep. uh, rookie, the defensive rookie year, I think, in the NFL as well. Yep. So. Yeah, that's some good people. Yeah, they had a lot of quality there. But when I'm were just... you there? When were you at? When, when did you go visit there? What, back in your 90s, college days? Early, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, it was the only the big eight back then. But yeah. Would you yeah. go to a football game? Uh, well, yeah, like, you know, all my buddies on the football team were all from Texas. So, gotcha. you know, it was uh, it was always when whenever they played down there, it was a hell of a trip. The, the scenery was beautiful. I mean, just I was like, wow. I'm in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and I'm looking at mountains in the backdrop. I'm like, where the hell am I? I'm like, you got to be kidding me here. It was beautiful town, uh, great campus, but the pride that they have in that uh, in that city is just unbelievable. Everything is UT. Did you did you ever consider going there before Oklahoma State? No, I did not. No, no, I did not. True. I was from the north, so they don't you know they didn't recruit yeah, I know. much yeah, from outside. You were from the northeast. Yeah, so they didn't uh, they didn't recruit much there in the northeast. Though they didn't really have to because they had uh, everything they needed homegrown. So, uh, but UT was uh, definitely eh, dated a girl or two from UT as well. My, well, went in Rome, so. I'd like to hear more of that story. Yes. Yeah, we can. Uh, they had some. Uh, everything is bigger in Texas. My word. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait on the video My there. Word. Great Every, city, though. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, let's move on to our second stadium Ooh. of the day. I figure Joe's been to this one. This oh, is, yes. This is uh, Shea Stadium, Queens, New York, home of the New York Mets. Opened up in 1961, closed in 2008. World Series championships, of course, in 1969, and then, of course, in 1986. And it's been very, very lean for the old New York Mets since then. A couple of World Series championships, for sure. A place that I've been, Joe, a place I'm sure that you have been to. Um, yeah, I mean I, I mean, I could go on and on and say a lot of great things about the new city field, which is gorgeous. And I went to the All-Star game there, and I absolutely love it. But there has not been any kind of winning happening at City no. Field like there was at Shea Stadium. No, Shea was uh, Shea was amazing. I actually played a couple of uh, games in Shea Stadium uh, when I was in high school there playing the uh, we do this tour where you'd have the Long Island All-Stars versus the city guys. I played against Manny Ramirez uh, and all those guys and, you know, brought us in and we'd play at the old Vet Stadium, Shea Stadium and the old Yankee Stadium. So. Uh, it was really cool being on that side with the Big Apple in the uh, in the back there. So uh, Shea Stadium was. I grew up watching the Jets there. That's what caused that kind of pain and misery in my life. So that's what started it. And uh, always went to uh, games there. It was just uh, loved that field. And of course, anybody that grew up around that '86 Mets team, you know exactly what that was all about. Though it was, I have not been to the new one at City Field. I just have oh, not yeah, been it's there. Very nice. Yeah, yeah no. It, yep. Listen, it, it was needed, and it's great. It's yep. just they just haven't won there. Like it's nope. You know, they went to the World Series. Um, of they course, didn't win against a lot Kansas. of the old one either, except for a couple of years. <laughs> well, at least they <laughs> went to the 2006 NLCS. Oh, they won that's the World true. Series, that's and yeah, right. I mean, the that's only true. World Series they've been to with this edition of the mm -hmm. Mets in City Field was when they played the Royals. Yep. 
in uh, was it fourteen or fifteen? I don't know. But the but but really, that was the outlier year for a lot of losing, unfortunately for them. They're trying. I mean, they keep signing guys. It just never goes their way. Never. So uh, Joe can certainly speak to this. The iconic players in the history of the Mets, and by uh, by the way, these are the players that pitched in Shea Stadium or played mm-hmm. in Shea Stadium. We're not in the City Field era of this. Eventually we'll get to that, but we're not. Uh, Tom Seaver, of course, at the top. We've got Keith Hernandez, Carter, Gooden, and Strawberry, all from the 86 Mets and in that era of Mets baseball from about 84 through 87, which was, to me, you could say what you want, I think the most underachieving era of any baseball era was those Mets teams. I, I don't, I do not understand how they only won one World Series with all of these names and a lot more names, by the way, uh, of players uh, in '86 and in '87 and even '88 too. And then the wheels fell off after that, and we you know, traded guys away and stuff like that. And then I threw Mike Piazza here in the end because he, he had a great impact when he got traded there. Um, you know, it's hard for me to leave David Wright off this list. Mm-hmm. I think David Wright's an iconic player and the best Mets third baseman of all time for sure. But some of the damage that he did on the field was at actually City Field 2 toward the end. So it's really right. hard to leave David Wright off here because I think that he has his place in Mets history. And honestly, I'd probably put him ahead of a few of the guys on this list if it was overall Mets history. But strictly for Shea Stadium, that's who I got here, Joe. Yeah, I mean, listen, there was um, a whole lot of guys there that uh, during that era there, Sid Fernandez, Wally Backman, uh, you know, Howard you didn't Johnson. put Dykstra on this one, huh? You didn't have Dykstra on this list? No. Good old no. Lenny Nails He was a there. good player with the Mets, but he wasn't great until he got No George Foster? Uh, you ain't going uh, back to George the, there? George first Bamberger? First guy to a million. Remember, he was the first guy to sign for a million I bucks. Did. What a disaster those Mets teams were. That was that was prior to 86, I think. Yep, yep. That was just prior. That was the generation prior. It was awful. Um, yeah, no, that, that Hernandez, who was a Cardinal. Seaver, who was really known, it cracks me up, as people... Associate Tom Seaver as the Cincinnati Red when he was so was they Nolan probably Ryan. Probably could they probably could yeah Nolan Ryan was there too yep. Yep. yeah Jerry Kuzman they, they had a pretty yeah, good Kuzman team. is it was on my honorable mention list yeah absolutely yeah. Kuzman and along with Mookie Wilson was on my uh, also very hard too mention. yep yep uh, Jose Reyes was really good. Yeah, was really, and, really uh, good. Cleon Jones was part of that Miracle Mets team, too. I, I couldn't really find a lot of the Miracle Mets guys. Uh, Swoboda, Shamsky. I mean, people don't even know who those guys yeah, are. Yeah. Craig uh, Swan. Craig Swan was a yeah, yeah. 70s guy. Pete yeah. Falcone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> who was the big closer? Who, who did they have? With with the 86 team? Yeah, with the... Orozco? Uh, Aros, Jesse Orozco. And That's then McDowell. Yep. yep. Yeah, Roscoe Roger, too. Yeah, man. But how? But how, Joe? Did they only win one World Series with no all idea. of those players? I have no idea. They were just so, well. I mean, Gooden and uh, and Strawberry went to uh, started to fall I downhill, tried. and that was yeah. it, man. That's it. That, that catches up with you after a while. My I word. Remember, I remember when Gooden got suspended for drugs, mm-hmm. and then like he made this big comeback yep. on Monday Night Baseball, yep. and I remember watching it. And I mean, Gooden put together one of the best pitching seasons of all time. Untouchable. And, yeah. And and look, I I get it that he had his issues, and so did Strawberry. But to me, '87 they should have absolutely won back to back. Destroyed mean. everybody. Yep. And they thought it was too. They thought it was going to be. They brought pretty much the whole team back. They did. They did. But yeah. it just wasn't the same for nope. sure. So crazy. Kind of strange there for sure. So um, would you say that you you've been to uh, Shea Stadium baseball wise more than any other stadium? 
Um, Shea Stadium probably more than, than any other growing up. Yeah, because he used to go for the uh, uh, for the Jet games, too, when they were still playing there. So that was a lot of time. I don't even, I don't, why don't I not even remember that? I remember when, they, uh, when the Jets I only remember playing. East Rutherford. That's it. No, that was Klecko and Gastineau and those guys back in the day. They were at uh, Shea, I think, until... I'd say the early 80s, and then they headed over to uh, East Rutherford. But, yeah, no, they used to share it. Jets, uh, Jets and Mets. Ugh, please Great franchise. Growing up as you even bring it up, and I'm trying to remember. But uh, we used to have Kleckano, Gaston. Uh, no, uh, I know. remember those Jets teams, yep. too, for sure. Yep. Yeah, Pat O'Brien. Gang Green. Ugh, it was terrible. Freeman McNeil. Leslie Walker. Uh, what? Yeah, very nice. Yeah, Marty Lyons. Are you a Jets fan? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And that's what started it, is uh, going to Shea Stadium Jet games, and then uh, I just didn't have a shot after that. That was it. So I blamed my family for taking me. And uh, that was it. I was too. I was young and impressionable, and you stuck me in Shea Stadium to watch a Jet game. Awful. And, and, there, and the rest is history. The rest so is history, yes, exactly. Speaking of which, our show is almost history. We got about 20 minutes to go, so let's take a brief Boom. commercial break. And we'll be back in just two, two and a half minutes right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Michelin with Joe Roderi. This is Sports Grid, and stay right there. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down, and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We're going to learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Ranieri with you here on the show as we close out another edition of our program. Don't forget, all week long, mm -hmm. we'll have previews of the NFL draft tomorrow on the show. A little discussion with one of the agents that's going to be involved in the NFL draft. But uh, before we get back to some sports stuff, Joe, you mm -hmm. know, the interesting part of just kind of doing what we're doing here is getting used to what I think a lot of people are calling like a new normal type thing. Right. And it's interesting that The Rock uh, was quoted as saying, basically, is that uh, this pandemic has sort of helped his life and sort of helped his marriage. And it's interesting because I think that most people sort of feel the opposite of that. <laughs> and, 
you know, I think it all has to do with kind of how you operate your daily life as it is. There right. are some husbands and wives who don't see each other a lot during their marriage because they work. There are some husbands or wives that travel for their work as well. And I think that perhaps those are the ones that are maybe having the hardest time with it. Mm -hmm. As an example, for me, a lot of the work that I do here on SportsGrid and a lot of the work that I've done you know, previously, you know, hosting radio shows for many, many years, um, maybe not the first couple of years, but six or seven years ago, Joe, it became very prevalent, not just for what we're doing now, but mm -hmm. all over the country to get what's called uh, units in their house, building home studios to yeah. be able to broadcast. And it's funny, when I used to work at the, uh, and you used to also at a local AM station mm -hmm. in, uh, in South Florida, when I did it, the program director told me at the time that this was not something that was ever going to happen, where people were going to be doing shows remotely. And he essentially demanded that I would drive into the studio because he wanted the feel of their host being in the studio. And I always thought it was a silly proposition because essentially I was doing the show by myself. Right. And I was just staring across, you know, the, the other way, as we would say in radio, on the other side of the glass. Right. At a, at a, a board oper operator slash producer. Yep. And my claim was, you know, for this money that you're paying me, no offense, like why not? Why can't I just hit a button in my house, put on my headset, and do exactly the same show? And I'll wow, never forget true. him telling me, oh, no, it's never going to happen. And look, I mean, some radio guys in terrestrial radio just have that old school way about them that right. you know, things are just never going to change. He also told me, the same guy told me that sports betting would never be something anybody would be interested in either. So. Of course, yes, yeah. yeah so shocking. He's, uh, he's doing Shock. well. He's probably yeah. running a radio group right now that's going bankrupt. So congratulations. Um, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, you know, sports betting. I remember they wouldn't put my sports betting show. I did a, uh, it wasn't even sports betting, actually. It was, uh, I was working with FanDuel. I was a partner mm -hmm. with FanDuel. Mm -hmm. And when FanDuel first came around, whenever it did, six, seven years ago. Right. Remember that big marketing campaign at the very beginning between FanDuel and DraftKings and just how much was remember being well. discussed there? Okay. So I was a FanDuel partner. And I hosted a show locally in South Florida for an hour every Sunday called mm -hmm. FanDuel Fantasy Sports Today. Okay. And I did the show, and it was based on signing up on FanDuel, and I would give the best values in fantasy football for 16 Great. weeks. That was that was what I did. And my, um, you know, the sports director at the time essentially told me, "Look, it's gambling." I'm like, first of all, no, it's not. But even if it was, who cares? But he's like, "Well, it is." And we don't do that here, and so we can give you the 6 a.m. time slot. Oh, my word. Wow. And I was like, look, um, I'll, I'll broker the deal. I mean, you know how that works. Right. Radio. You know, I'll broker it, but, like, the only way that I'm doing this is if you put me on at 7 a.m. Like, I am not – no one is going to benefit from doing this at 6 o'clock in the morning. Nope. And, and look, we all have heard the, the sports wagering shows before – some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Uh, you know, say what you want about broker time and sports wagering. I get them all. I understand them all. Everyone's out to make a buck. I totally right. get it. I'm, yep. I have nothing against it. It's fine with me. Um, but this show was a FanDuel show. Like right. it was, a, it was a DFS show. It wasn't even that with me giving a toll-free number. Like it was just essentially, here are the picks that we like, and he wouldn't put it on at 7 a.m. Now, money talks, and eventually, Joe. Like. They were they're gonna take the money, you know. The you know it's a local radio station. Always they're gonna take going to. So they did, and I did the show for 16 weeks, and I drove to the studio to do the show for 16 weeks, even though I wanted to be right in my house and just hit mm -hmm. the button because it's the same thing. It's radio. And Joe, here we are, 
less than 10 years later and everybody in the world are doing remote shows from yeah. be, because of this pandemic. But I gotta tell you, there's gonna be a large percentage of hosts who have never done what we're doing before that are never gonna go back. That are that are gonna that are gonna say, "Wow, this has opened up a world for me that I never knew existed," yep. and circle back around. This is why I think for me it hasn't been as difficult, maybe as it has been for some others, because I am used to basically telling my wife or my kids or when they were in school, "Hey, I'm going into the office to do a show. Yep. I built my own studio, as you know. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be the time where I can't be bothered." That's right. And and I don't think that everybody has that. So it's probably harder for some than others. And it, it was just curious for me to see The Rock say that this has been a great time for him because this is a guy that I would guess Joe is on the road all of the time, right? When is he home ever? Like, so it's, <laughs> that guy uh, yeah, makes it's, every movie. No, he's everything. He's commercial. His voice, he's in the gym. He's, uh, I have uh, no idea. But again, you know, when you live that kind of life and you're living out of a suitcase and you're living on the road, I don't care how much money you got. Uh, you know, when anytime you divert from that and have the ability to be like, you know what, sometimes it's just, I can't, when the hell's the last time Rock just kind of kicked back for a, a month and, uh, and didn't go anywhere. I Every can't. action movie that's out in the last yeah. five years is him. Exactly correct. And it's, uh, and he's from Miami too. So that's- it's, um, it, it's, it's an interesting take. It really is because a lot of people. You get into those routines and you get into those habits and then all of a sudden when you're forced to break those and to do something new, I mean, really, that's where growth happens in almost everything. So uh, I think there'll be a lot of people, not just The Rock, I think there'll be a lot of other people come out of this and realize they had skills or, uh, you know, they had other things that they didn't realize they enjoyed or could do. and. Listen, out of every uh, tough situation there, you don't really know what you're capable of until you have no other choice. Uh, and it's just you. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, how, how it morphs for a lot of people, certainly in this business, but in life in general. It's going to give you an opportunity to do something you never thought you could do, and voila. And for other people, they're going to be like, I, yeah, I'm done with this. I can't, be, I can't go back yeah, to no, there, and there, I'm sure that there are a lot of, yep. uh, a lot of people who will be like that. Um, yep. For me, it's not that that has changed. I mean, having my kids at home all the time right. is clearly a huge change. It doesn't feel like any, you know, and it's fine. It just doesn't feel like there's any downtime whatsoever because there's always something going on. Right. A limited amount of time during the week because they are doing the the online schooling. Mm-hmm. But instead of an eight-hour day at school, it's kind of like three hours, you know? It's right. like not nearly as, as different. Has, has life changed? I mean, I, I know that you still go to a studio. Yes to do your show but has it changed is so for you is it that different than no not Not at all not at all i mean uh you know still um outside of there to be you know just more i i the in between of of what happens between here and when i got there is you know there is no runs to the track the casino there's no (laughs) runs to you know there is uh a lot of you know not out to dinner none of that stuff there and uh but i know a lot of people listen who are um, it's funny, you mentioned that I got a lot of friends uh, with kids that are like, you know what, this is nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, you got others that are going like, if this, if this doesn't end soon, like I'm just, you know, I'm going to have to, but, you know, I got, I've had guys willing to, you know, rent out space just to come here and, uh, and keep their social distancing so they don't have to be home anymore. It's different strokes for different folks, but I, I, I yeah. you know, listen, I think uh, there's something to be said sometimes for having, 
I think what they said, one of the sayings was something along those lines, like the key to a happy marriage is uh, live apart and visit often, something along those lines. So I think there are going to be a lot of people who fall into that category and uh, can't wait to get back. But I think a lot of people are learning a little bit of something about themselves, too, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's different for everybody, but yeah. to hear somebody like The Rock basically say that it's made it better yeah. is... No, it's it's something that I think that should make people take notice. But I also totally get it just from a conceptual standpoint that, I mean, we're not really built as no. humans and people living in the United States to not go out for five months. Like the interaction is like we're yes. just not we're not built for that. Like yeah. we all are doing this for a month. I think we all can do it for another month. I think that if we had to, we probably could all do it for a third month. Yep. But asking people to never go out again is unrealistic and, and you know I, I sort of get where we're headed with that I just hope I just hope it's not too soon I just I just hope that we're not breaking off of this too soon um, yesterday <laughs> Clayton Kershaw told the LA Times that he wasn't sure that this plan for Arizona Joe is doable this is notable because yeah. I mean Kershaw may not be the best pitcher in baseball anymore I mean two years ago we had that but we've had essentially the best hitter in baseball in Mike Trout and one of the best pitchers in baseball yep. shadow some doubt on the idea that all 30 teams in Major League Baseball could go to Arizona and play. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I still like that Arizona-Florida idea. I don't know what happened to that and why we're not talking about that still. And it did make sense to have all the teams at their spring training facilities. But again, Kershaw is a family guy now and, and has kids. And yep. That's where the game is changing, Joe. You're going to interview all the 20-year-old baseball players who don't have kids living in apartments. They can't wait to start playing, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, listen, there's also a lot of people out there that, um, you know, make their money and provide for their family on oil rigs all throughout the world who don't get to see them for four months, five months. Certainly, there's a number of folks in the armed services right now halfway around the world that don't get to see their family. So uh, that argument is not going to hold water with the public at large. Uh, the idea that, you know, you, you can't go away for three or four months away from your family to provide entertainment for everybody else. Uh, and also make yourself, you know, twenty million dollars. So that's not gonna that's not gonna cut it with a lot of people. I think they're just gonna be like, yeah, so what? Suck it up, Buttercup. There are guys that do it to make a hell of a lot less money than you, and uh, and a heck of a lot more dangerous situations than you. I don't know how long that argument's gonna last with baseball players. I, I think. Well, I think the issue is, Joe, is that they get to vote on it, and if the players get to have a say, right? Yes. If if there's a small percentage of players, yep with loud voices, it's going to be hard for them to yep. to get that deal done. Now, if there was no vote... And, That's a different story, yes. And, which is what the, the point that you're making. I think, yeah, like from our point of view, it's just like, yeah, we want to watch it, we want to see it, okay, go. But yeah, it's it, it always comes down to that internal debate between the owners and the players. And, Joe, if they ask the players, essentially, mm -hmm. hey, look, come back, you're playing for a quarter of your salary you're still going to be playing at that or a little bit yep. more and you have to be sequestered. I, 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 just, I don't know. Like, I think, I think we're headed down a road. And now I, I don't think that that will be the stopping block right. to getting this happening because I think the two sides will look at each other and say, Hey, we really need to do this for everybody and not make this about money, but make no mistake about it. If you combine all of the factors that the players are bringing up, 
then to me there has to be some level of concern. I, I look, I hope that they play, and I and I want them to play too. But I get all of the things that these guys are saying, whether or not they make a dollar or thirty million. So. I, it, listen, it, it's there's going to be inherent risk in everything we do here, and right now money's going to talk. Everything else is going to walk at this point because. Uh, all things being equal, the owners are going to be like, all right, this is what we're thinking about doing. And, you know, what are, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And uh, if you're going to be a part of it. But like I said, you know, we talked about it earlier. There are going to be. Uh, you know, this is why you don't draft, guys. This is why you don't spend money and waste your time drafting. Because there are going to be a couple of people, I can assure you, no matter what they agree upon, may pull a hamstring, may not be readily uh, available for the season if that's uh, if push comes to shove. Yeah, I mean, my you know, people say, like, well, what am I supposed to do if I'm not supposed to draft? Like, you know, watch a movie with your wife. Absolutely, something. yes. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, there's a million a, things. A that, lot more productive things to do than, absolutely. than throw darts and that yeah. sort of Especially when you have no idea what the plan is or what the agreements are or how it's going to work. I mean, the only thing that we know for sure, sports-wise, is that uh, the NFL is planning on moving forward with uh, Oh, they're with playing their for sure. They'll, but, they'll play and, in but our that's backyard. that's a long time away. Tonight. Yeah, but at least then, even with that, conceptually, we know the rules. Like, we know what to expect. Oh, they're, they're, they're going to play a, a close to full season. Yep. It's, it could be on Mars. Yes. And it will make no difference. Nope. And they're going to play, and where the games are going to be on TV, and that's that's, that's all happening. And, that's and the media is covering matters. it, and it's yep. all and the NFL is on. That's like, I don't care what anybody says. The other yep. stuff, I don't know. I, I'm just not. By the way, why have we heard nothing? Maybe I'm just not as big a fan, but but I thought like the the WNBA had a draft. Yes, they did. We, we hear stuff about baseball, college football, NBA, NFL. Uh, we hear about golf. What, what's going on with the NHL? I haven't heard a word about that. I mean, I know Gretzky had his comments yesterday, but I, I mean, have they? Do they devise a plan or anything? Like, I, they've I, I said mean, nothing to nobody, and why? which is shocking that they're still in. Uh, you know, they too, with everyone else, is waiting for that uh, May first uh, before. But there's that, already that, been reports that states, cities, elected officials have reached out to them and said, "Listen, if you're looking for a place and you want to quarantine a player." A lot of people are willing to open up their doors to the uh, to the NHL to come in and play uh, places in the Dakotas, obviously Wisconsin in the uh, upper north region there. There are a lot of places that would be willing to house NHL teams to keep going. I think, quite honestly, they might be the easiest one of them all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, listen, I'd like to hear something. I haven't heard anything about the NHL recently, that's yeah, for sure. nothing. All right, that'll do it for our show. Thanks to everybody who watched, everybody who tuned in, no doubt. Make sure you... Stay on the grid here. Coming up a little bit later right here on Sports Grid. however you're watching the show, if you're watching it live, Scott Farrell Coast to Coast is going to be on uh, in-game live and then turn the clock back around to the morning. You got Joe and Dane over in the early line and uh, the morning after, and then we'll be right back here at 11 o'clock Eastern. Also, tomorrow we'll update you on some of our draft coverage, what we're going to be doing mm -hmm. on Thursday nights. And we're also going to have some discussion about how agents are handling mm. this pandemic and what they may be anticipating with their players, how they're communicating and kind of sending them around, telling them what to do from a virtual point of view. Uh, so I hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. For those of you who are going to be sticking with us, thanks so much. Really appreciate that support. Let us know what you think about the show on Twitter, at Craig Mish, at Joe Ranieri. 
and of course at SportsGrid on Twitter. For Joe, I'm Craig. Wish you a great Monday. We'll be back here on Tuesday with another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Talk to you then. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.